this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Margot Starbuck. Margot is the award-winning writer of more than 30 books. She's touched over 200 major publishing projects as an author, writer, coach, and editor. She especially treasures the privilege of writing alongside athletes, entertainers, and overcomers. Margot loves equipping writers who want to be published. She speaks at writing conferences around the country about what it takes to get published. Margot is the owner of Word Melon. She reviews book proposals and manuscripts, showing writers what's working well, and what can be improved, as well as practical strategies to do it. Welcome to the show, Margo. Thank you, Tasha. It's real fun to be here. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Okie dokie. I am a communicator, so writer, author, speaker, editor, stand-up comic, uh, yes. just saying. <laughs> I am the mom of three young adult, young adult humans two by birth, one who was adopted from India, and I'm also an adopted person. And I really love living in Durham, North Carolina. This is a lot of Durham behind me. I love (laughs) Durham. And I also live in a neighborhood that's built around friends with disabilities. And it's delicious. It is like a slice of the kingdom of God um, living here. So I'm a happy camper uh, here downtown Durham. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, I want to just jump right in. What drives your passion to equip aspiring authors with the knowledge they need to publish a book? Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I so I am like, I am a communication nerd yes. and it's book proposals. Boy, it's um, is dating profiles on online dating apps. It's college application essays. And maybe (laughs) mm, when I was, how many years ago was it? Well, one million. When I was pitching my first book proposal, I didn't know what it was that publishers needed to see in order to say yes. And I really know now. I really know. And um, I want to help writers who are earlier in their publishing journey um, know what it is that publishers need to see to say yes. I can personally attest to the fact that Margot knows what she's talking about because as an aspiring writer myself, I went to one of my very first publishing uh, conferences this year and I did. I went through a lot of the content that you have provided and I can attest to the fact that it it, it was true. It, I, it was in great shape, got great feedback from the literary agent. And um, I look forward to learning even more from you. (laughs) That's awesome. And what I want to say to folks who have a book in their heart, I'm going to say 81% of Americans believe they have a book in their heart. And if that's you, I want you to hear that Tasha did exactly the right thing. And that was investing in herself. That's time, money, energy to attend a writing conference. I just can't tell you like how that can take you to the next level because it's honing your skills, it's meeting the right people, it's networking, um, whether that's with publishers, agents, other authors. So I do want folks who 
have a book in their heart to hear that you are worth investing in and it really can take you to the next level. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that mm. wholeheartedly. Now I'm kind of curious, are there a specific type of authors that you work with that you're most passionate about? Um, oh, good question. I'm just going to say nonfiction. If you have written a fiction book, you do not want to send it my way. I will have nothing to offer you, but all different kinds of nonfiction. Um, that's my wheelhouse. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So um, I'm just trying to figure out, because again, we met at a particular co- uh, writing conference, Publishers uh, Publishing in Color, and I was just curious, do you attend a lot of those type of conferences, or where are you most passionate? Um, ooh, good question. Um, so I, I do enjoy serving all different kinds of conferences. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited about publishing in color. I'm, I'm trying to think. I feel like I've I feel like I've said this publicly before, so I'm just going to let it out. But I don't know. Maybe seven or eight years ago, I get a call from this guy. His name's Brian Elaine, and he tells me he's really excited. He's starting this publishing in color conference, and oh, he he knows he's an old white dude. And I thought, oh, this is not a good idea at all. But y'all. <laughs> I highly <laughs> recommend Publishing in Color because, um, well, it's newest leader. Her name is Joyce Dinkins, woman of color. But also ever, from the beginning, Brian didn't invite me to speak at Publishing in Color. He invited professionals within the Christian publishing industry who are people of color to do all the leading and teaching and faculty in. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend Publishing in Color. And I'm just going to say that one of the reasons I'm passionate about this is because Christian publishing has historically been male and white, no shade, white dudes, Um, but uh, it can be so much richer. And I don't mean just authors of color. Yes, authors of color, graphic designers, agents, uh, publishers. We really were kind of... um, historically a little bit emaciated and we really need that. And so that's why I get particularly excited about writers of color um, like Tasha and others because it's just going to make publishing better. And if there's a way that I can show you like, ooh, here's the entrance ramp, say for ghostwriting, or or here's how you open this door to get this, just just find me because that's what I wanna be about. Exactly. And honestly, you are about that. I, I mm-hmm. That's why you're constant. I was drawn towards your content and it definitely helped me out mm-hmm. and honing in on exactly what I wanted to speak about too. So yeah, mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> Good. So here's another question that I, I get quite a bit, um, mainly because when I've been sharing kind of my aspirations with some of my other friends that are aspiring to be authors, what do you feel the difference is between traditional versus self-publishing? Yeah, Um, gather your follow-up questions because I love having this conversation. And it's funny, this is just real recently that I've come to this summarization and it's very crass, but let's say a writer contacts me, they say, Margo, um, a publisher has pursued me, you know, I wanna get all my stuff together. And I'm wondering, is that a self-publisher? Is it a traditional publisher? And the question I ask, are they gonna pay you or are you gonna pay them? That's what that's what's mm. telling me whether it's 
a traditional publisher is going to give you an advance. Okay. It, it might not be big. It might be small. They're going to give you advance monies to write your book. When you hand it into them, they're going to have editors working on it. They might have marketing and publicity. If it does really well, you'll get royalties. You don't give them any money. And if it's a self-publisher, and I'm going to add hybrid publisher. Somehow hybrid is sort of a combo. But if we just imagine self-publishing, um, everything is on you. And I have self-published one book. And what that means is I put my own dollars into an editor, into um, interior design, cover design. And I, I always tell writers who are self-publishing, like, do not let your talented, like graphic design college student neighbor, do your book cover. Don't do it. Get a professional to do your book cover. <laughs> and boy, I wish I had the, I'm not going to run out to the living room, but if you can imagine Margot's first book cover that I thought was awesome. It was like a, a blue Doc Martin boot in front of a yellow brick wall. I thought it was fantastic. And then I hired a professional and it's quite striking the difference. Oh, you can see them both on Amazon. It's called The Solid Place. Okay. But, um, <laughs> Back to the question at hand, self-publishing, you're putting all of your dollars in and um, you have to have a plan how to sell books if you decide to self-publish. So if right now you're not reaching any readers, I would really caution you. And maybe you're like a marketing or a business genius. Great. Go for it. But like, I'm just going to say, Tasha is already reaching readers, even though she's probably thinking them as, as listeners right now, they will yeah. also be readers. And so maybe you have speaking gigs, maybe you have huge social media engagement, or people are sharing your podcast. Those are potential readers. But if you haven't built that, mm, the magic word is platform. If you haven't built that platform, if you're not already reaching readers, I would caution you about self publishing, unless there's some folks, they just know this is something I have to do. This is where I want to put my dollars. I'm just going to do it. And even if I sell two copies, um, honestly, that's kind of me. I'm not great at sales, but, um, but just know that um, you are investing in self-publishing and you're the one who has to sell every copy. Interesting. Interesting. And yes, I do have a couple follow-ups to that. So yeah. when it comes to self-publishing, you're the one that's investing in that, correct? But however, it does seem like sometimes, I mean, maybe this, this may not be a fair assessment, but from what I've heard at a couple of the conferences that I've gone to, it seems like a lot more of the publishing houses are relying on the author to have that platform as you talk about. So where is the I guess, where's the magic balance, if you will, and how much I have to bring to the table and how much the publishing person is, yeah. or the publishing house brings to the <laughs> table in terms of marketing. So it's fair. That's that great. Sense? And what I'm going to say is I feel like a lot of us kind of back in the olden days, a writer could hold themselves up in a cabin, type on their typewriter, yeah. produce their manuscript, hand it to a publisher, and their work was done. And that just is not at all the case today. Yeah. Every single publisher is looking for authors with whom they can partner to market and sell the book from small publishers to large publishers. That matters to all of them. And so when they're reading your proposal, that's what the, in their mind. And they're thinking, you know, is this writer going to be a good partner in selling this book? 
And that's what that's where platform is important. They're looking for that in your proposal. And yes, they have like their marketing publicity people who are, you know, juggling a lot of other books and they really do want to work with writers. And so an example is in your proposal, there's a personal marketing section and a really bad one, if it, a bad one in a proposal would be like, I'm willing to go on a book tour that you pay for. That would be a bad one. That doesn't happen. Yeah. But a good one would be maybe page after page of creative ideas that you have. You're both showing them what you have done and what you will do. And what you have done, it's what you've done. Yeah. But what yeah. you will do, I will pursue publishing articles at my alma mater, at my church denominational magazine, all these places, all the things that you will do to help publish the book. And that really will impress them. And while we're on it, one other thing I would say, if you have not built a platform, what I want you to hear is that there are writers, although, you know, we so want to wrap up that proposal, make it excellent, hit send. There are writers who will pause that journey to publication and take six months or one year or two years to build their platform. And there's no magic to building a platform. And we all know like how hard it is to get followers on social yeah. media. But the one idea I just want to, one, one little seed I want to plant is the possibility of writing articles. Because when I got my first book contract with a small publisher, it's not that I had a lot of followers, but what they could see is that I had taken a year and pitched a lot of articles so they could see, okay, Margot has written for today's Christian woman, mothers of preschoolers, like hang gliding in America magazine, <laughs> um, fine home building. And what that signals to them is people care what Margot has to say. And I call it capitalizing off of other people's platform. Christianity Today, they've built a platform when you can write for one of their, um, you know, one of their divisions, then you're reaching all of their readers. And that's a big win. So you're going to know kind of what those online and print magazines are that your reader is reading. And that's where you want to be pitching articles. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So Regardless of whether you decide to go the traditional or the self-publishing route, why is it important to create a book proposal? Because I'm being honest, until I found your content, I wasn't sure if that was something I really needed to do because in my head, I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> like I knew what I was passionate about in writing, but I wasn't thoroughly convinced and still I, until I started going through the process. So I'd like to hear oh, that from you. Good. Well, gosh, you're convincing me right now because I don't know if I've ever told anyone who's self-publishing, you must do this thing, but I can talk about the benefits. And that is when you write your book proposal, um, you have to identify who's my reader, what is my reader's need, how am I meeting that need? And that's kind of your unique premise. Um, you have to structure your book so you, you don't just start writing on the first page. You can see how your book unfolds. You can see maybe what the main idea or message of each chapter is. So it is very much a big win for the writer to go through that process. 
Yes. And I'm just going to, oh, this is my moment to say, I feel like I learned too late that it's all about the reader, right? Because as writers, we get all excited. I'm going to write about adoption and body image and loving your neighbor. And that's great. But in the end, like those could all be those. I can do all that in my journal. If I'm writing a book for other people, it's all about the reader. So on every page, I'm asking myself, how can I meet? Because I know who my reader is. Maybe their picture is taped to my laptop. How can I meet that reader's need? That's going to be the big win. And I'm going to say that if a publisher sees in your proposal that that's what you care about, that's what they care about. Publishers care about meeting the reader's need. So if you can demonstrate to a publisher that that's what you care about, that's going to be a big win. Yeah, honestly, at that whole process, again, I I hadn't committed to, and I'm still not, I don't know if I'm going to do traditional or self-publishing. I'd love to go traditional, but you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> we'll see where life takes us. But I that whole exercise was very, very helpful. So um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for that because that, that was very, very helpful because again, as someone that was kind of just stepping into this arena, I was like, book proposal I already kind of know what I want to do and then someone also with a marketing background I was like well I kind of figure out I mean it's got to be kind of the same thing but it still worked me through the process mm. but yeah there are a lot of blind spots that I had not thought about so yes I cannot stress enough that you need to do that <laughs> good good so do you believe in writer's block and if so how do you how, how do you propose that we overcome that? Mm, that's good. Um, I do hear it's a thing. <laughs> um, and, and you don't you don't want to hear me say that like I'm weird and it's not it's not something that oppresses me a lot. But um, what I do need you to hear is yes, it's real. But it's up to you whether you let it become the boss of you. So if you know that you're a writer. You can't wait to get inspired to write something. You can't wait till the words are, you know, just falling out of your fingers. You need to carve out the time and space. The way that you would put a coffee date on your calendar, you want to, depending on your life, your schedule, set your alarm an hour earlier on weekdays and get at the keyboard and just... Um, well, one little piece of advice is turn off your internal editor. That voice, and that, that's a lot of writer's block. Yeah. That voice that's saying you don't have anything to say, don't say it like that, be very careful with your words. Yeah. No, just turn that off, get the words on the page, whether it's, again, early in the morning, whether you carve out time on a weekend, whether you're like can find time to take a retreat and then show up for that. Like that's the thing that you can control. But then also, yeah, the other thing you can control is not listening to your internal editor. And just know that that first draft is all about getting words out of you onto the page. You can go back, make them pretty later. But I think the magic is in showing up. Yeah, yeah no, I wholeheartedly agree, especially about that point about making time to actually set aside, set aside time to actually write and just turn off your brain. Cause I do that so much. Oh my goodness. I'll just be like, okay, my goal is to at least get to a certain extent in one particular chapter. And then I sit there and I'm like, okay, words come to me now. 
<laughs> and, yes. if they do, and then when they come out, I'm just like, okay, that's not exactly what I was thinking, but you're right. You just have to keep, keep at it, set that time aside and just freestyle. So that's what I've gotten into the habit of doing because I would love to write in a sequence. Like here's the chapter one, here's chapter two. But the way my mind is set up, it's like, okay, we, oh yeah, let's jam on chapter 10. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling today. Good, good. <laughs> so I'm going with the flow. So the, yes, that, that, that's great advice. Wholeheartedly agree, wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what characteristics should aspiring authors that are choosing to go the traditional route look for in a literary agent? Mm. Um, okay. And for folks who may be really new to this journey, literary agent, well, I guess we all kind of know about like agents in the entertainment industry, but a literary agent is someone who represents you and your project to a publisher and they do not get paid until you get paid. So you do not give them any money, but I'm going to say that like the proposal that you're going to send to a literary agent is they're looking for exactly the same things that a publisher is looking for. You know, that three things, the, a fresh concept with a unique angle or edge. They're looking for someone who's got a large or a growing platform and they're looking for strong writing. So agents and publishers looking for exactly the same thing. And I would encourage you to start by doing your research. So you can Google literary agencies, literary agents. You can talk to friends who are writers to see who they know. You can look at conferences like Publishing in Color to see who they're bringing in. Um, But in that research process, I want you to be noticing is this a literary agent or agency who is already publishing, already supporting, excited about promoting books like mine, authors like me? And so we could be talking like, even like on the political spectrum, if all of their books are really, let's say really liberal and your message is really conservative, that might not be the agent for you. Um, On the websites of literary agents and agencies, they are, they will tell you what it is that they're looking to represent. So they might say, no poetry, no science fiction. Um, We're looking for this kind of self-help and that that's for them and it's for you. So if they're really not looking for the type of writing that you're doing, um, uh, yeah, it's not going to do anybody any good for you to send it. Another place you can look is the books that you love and appreciate by your favorite authors in the acknowledgement section, that author might mention their literary agent. And then you know exactly who's representing folks who are writing books like the book that you're writing. Um, So that's also also a trick. Um, And hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the win. That's the win. You can find out... um, who's representing writers like you. Fantastic, fantastic. So what do you consider to be the most difficult part of the book publishing process? Mm. So honestly, I'm going to say for traditional publishing, it is getting a contract with a traditional publisher. The math across the board, mm, is brutal math, is that 
publishers, oh, I don't, I hate to even say it out loud. Publishers <laughs> can accept about 1% of the books that are pitched to them. I know, Tasha, it's a horrible number. It's a horrible oh, number. Oh, wow. But, but, but I already want to say that by listening to today's podcast and by attending writers conferences, like you really put yourself at the, at the top of the pile. Ooh, but another thing wow. is this. Okay. If you, if you scraped up an email address for an acquisitions editor at a publishing house and they hear from you, they're not going to give the exact same proposal as much attention as they would if they received that proposal from a literary agent. When they see their inbox and they see the name of a literary agent, what they know is that that proposal has already been vetted. And that agent, it doesn't want to stake their reputation on something that's not ready, that's half-baked. So they really know that if it's coming from a literary agent, they're going to give it their time and attention. Um, and another win of going to writers' conferences is that you have the opportunity to be face-to-face -to, -face to get meetings with publishers, um, which is huge because then you're not a name in an inbox, then you're a real person uh, and uh, that can be a big win. So I do feel like if it's traditional publishing, it can be, um, yeah, it can be a challenge to get a contract. Uh, hmm, yeah. Ah, boy, it sounds like a bummer now that I hear myself saying. Yeah, I was, I was just like, wow, did not know that part. That's a, that, that's a blow to the soul right there. Well, <laughs> it's just even of eighty-one percent of Americans having a book in them. How many of those eighty-one percent have learned anything about publishing? You know, we know eighty percent, eighty percent aren't going to write the book proposal. So, I, Tasha, I know you, and I feel like you're doing all the right things to um yeah 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 so so don't don't be scared don't be scared um because <laughs> you're doing the right things i was kind of yes. like oh okay did not know that little piece of info but <laughs> you know another thing that i that has kind of been on my mind regarding tradition traditional publishing is mm -hmm especially in terms of there aren't that many as we alluded to that many like um people of color in the Christian publishing space, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the whole editing process, we may use different vernacular, things of that nature. So how does an author, especially one of color, uh, mm -hmm. kind of make sure that when it comes to the editing process, you're not necessarily changing my voice just because the person that's most likely reading it is not, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the oh. person in the publishing house that's reading it is not, probably the intended reader, if you will. So they may think, oh, wait, I need to change this because this, but again, you may not be as familiar with that vocabulary. So how does one with or without a literary agent fighting on their behalf advocate for certain changes that take place in the process? Tasha, can you tell how, how fast my heart is beating right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, one, I think about this a lot. Two, I get to participate in a publishing and color event now. And they said, you know, which of these things you want to chime in on? And I'm like, this is it. But before I forget, I'm really glad you said literary agent because that's their job. And oh, I if something comes that. up with okay, the, this is important to know, if something comes okay. up with the publisher, it's kind of like good cop, bad cop. 
if they can be on top of that, then it lets you stay good cop and they can be bad cop. But oh, um, okay. so let's imagine that I'm in, uh, let's imagine I'm in the middle of my fifth decade. There was a um, sitcom series, early 2000s called Girlfriends, Tracy Ellis Ross. It is on Netflix now. End of season four, beginning of season five, Maya gets a book contract and they deal with all of these things. Please, it's on Netflix, end of season four, beginning of season five. And it's delicious because she goes to the publisher. We don't always end up in the publisher's office, but they keep throwing around the word urban, like our urban readers. And finally, she's just like, you know, a lot of Black folk are country, like, you know, stop it with the urban. But but right, it's a it, it might be a new thing for publishers. And my hope is that these editors understand, like if they know how to do their job, they will not water it down. And what what I think as a publishing professional, it comes down to is it's not about the publisher, it's not about the writer. It's about the reader. And yeah, if there's anything about that language that could be confusing or distracting to a reader, okay, let's talk about it. But otherwise, please, please, please like use your voice. And I'm going to say I've coached writers. And just last month I was, okay, so she published her first book. And I'm going to say this is a black writer. And a lot of her audience does happen to be white women because of the speaking opportunities that she gets. Mm. And she publishes her first book. She's working on book number two now. And as we were on FaceTime, she was just speaking to Margot in her regular voice. And first of all, I was very grateful and I did not take it for granted. I didn't take it lightly, but I'm like, oh, friend, please, please, please let some of that just conversation. And that's, that's a good word for anyone. Conversational yeah. language is so much better in writing than trying to sound yeah. smart, trying to sound academic. Like, please, please, please let this spill over into book number two, because um, boy, it's hard to know what words are uh, with our changing language. Um, am I, am I allowed to say flavor? Uh, you can you can say that if you want to. <laughs> you like no 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 don't offer us something bland offer something with all the flavor so that's hard and um, yes if you have a traditional publisher and boy if they want to water it down yes that is your literary agent's job and um, and I hope if you didn't have a literary agent that there would be a way that you could you know make that argument yourself yeah. because it's so important and it is worth. It's absolutely worth fighting for. Exactly, exactly. I just had to ask that question because I just oh. some I I could kind of see where this would come into play. Not for for me a little bit. Not not that it would be completely filled with that. But again, you know, just some slang here and there. Yes. So I just want to make sure that you know that I'm advocating for myself, regardless of whether I have an agent or not. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I watched too much girlfriends, but I, what Maya said when she was advocating herself with the publisher, what she said was, you know what, if, if white women want to read this, if Asian women want to read this, like if Latino women want to read this great, but I wrote it for the sisters. And, and we all know that's pretty bold. That's, yeah, you know, that's exactly. pretty bold. And, and because we live in this world, 
I'm going to say what the publisher is thinking, of course, is audience dollars, who's yeah. buying books. Of course, of course, of yeah. course. But I'm glad we're agreeing that it's still worth fighting for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what, if I'm not mistaken, I think we are close to being exactly halfway through 2023. Isn't that crazy? Like, I just, I'm pretty sure we're almost exactly, I think today is the day. So if you had to choose one word to represent your goals for this year, what would it be and why? Mm. Ooh, I know. And, And maybe it's because I've been thinking about hustle and faith, but the word is hustle and Okay, we did not plan that. We didn't plan that. (laughs) No, 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 no. Tasha had no idea. Tasha had no idea. But let's say for a number of years, I've kind of wanted to take my business to the next level. It's called Word Melon today. It might not be called Word Melon next month because I'm doing the thing that I encourage writers to do. I'm investing in myself. And what that has meant for me is I'm, I'm creating a video course on how to create a winning book proposal And I mentioned, I do not know how to sell. Like before I was a writer, I was making cards and beads and puppets and magnets. And I, you know, go to these fairs and I would give off a vibe. Like, don't look at me. Don't look at my wares. Do not buy my product. So I'm really bad. But right now I'm doing this. So I've hired a marketing consultant and she's getting like the branding person involved, the website person involved. And I'm really excited. So I'm investing in Margot to kind of take my business to the next level and um, hopefully be able to reach and help more writers. So I do, I feel like I'm getting my hustle on, quite frankly, that's my word. That's my word. Oh my goodness, I love that so much. That's so awesome. And by the way, I have had several guests on in the past six years and I have yet to have a word repeat. Thank you for continuing that unofficial streak. Oh, gosh, I thought you were going to say, oh, no, no, I I was so excited. I was like, I'm curious because I really do remember the words that my guests say. I know that's yeah. And over six years. Yeah. I haven't had one repeat yet. That's crazy. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I I love that so much for you, though. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. And actually, that's a perfect segue to the next question. Are there any other project projects that you would like to share with us? And that sounds like a major one. <laughs> it is. It is. That's my number one. And hopefully coming in the next six months. And the other thing, um, so as we didn't talk about ghostwriting, but as a ghostwriter, as a writer for publishers, like a lot of times I'm writing for other people. And the thing that's in Margot's heart, and remember I mentioned the one book I have self-published. Oh, I don't have it. It is called The Solid Place. It's a 365 day devotional. And I'm just going to say, 11 years ago, my life kind of uh, fell apart. There was a lot of healing. Well, actually, after childhood, there was also a lot of healing that had to happen sure. in my heart. And as I listened to God, these were like a lot of the affirmations that God spoke to my heart about being beloved, about being grounded in what is most true. And where those live, besides the book called The Solid Place, is both Facebook and Instagram. And I'm in the process right now of like this week, moving them from the Margot Starbuck um, addresses to the solid place on Instagram and Facebook. So that's where you can um, go to get inspired. And that's like the personal thing. When I speak at retreats, when I speak to women's groups, um, 
that's the thing that I, like, that's the word, that's the message that I'm bringing and love to talk about. So the solid place, that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Margo, I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview. One last question. What's the best piece of advice that you have for aspiring authors? <clears throat> okay. Boy, it's not warm and fuzzy. It's not inspiring, but it is the most important thing. And that is wherever you are today in terms of reaching readers, I want you to take that next step to build your platform. And and you don't have to be thinking 1 million followers on Instagram or TikTok, just do the next thing. It might be pitching an article. If you're at the very, very front end, it might be speaking to a group at your church. Um, just find that next step to be reaching readers in a way that makes sense for who you are and how you're wired. Because I get it. If speaking in front of audiences, you know, makes you want to stick a fork in your eye, that's not the one, you know, then maybe write an article is for you. But just begin to be intentional about reaching readers because unfortunately, there can be really beautiful writing and beautiful ideas that won't find a home with a publisher if the writer isn't reaching readers. So, so just take your next step. Uh, don't do it all at once, but take your next step to reach readers. That's awesome. And you know what? You just sparred me to think of one last thing, something about endorsements. What are What is your position on the whole endorsement thing? Because especially for aspiring authors, I forgot, I should have asked that earlier in the process, huh. but endorsements for newbies could be kind of difficult. So, so how would one go about doing something like that? How should you keep asking things that I'm I really sorry. care about and have a lot to say? And, and I'm <laughs> so glad because, because yes, we need endorsers for book proposals, but I want to say even on your website, and first of all, don't not have a website that's dedicated to you as a communicator. Sure. It is your business card in this day and age. Yeah. I want you to have endorsements there. And here's the thing. At the beginning, it might be somebody emailing you, oh, this blog post like really hit me, something I'm going with right now. Thank you so much. Ask their permission to make that an endorsement. Or if you do write that article, it might be one of the comments that's left. Um, or maybe the magazine editor that you wrote for said, oh, this, this piece has been a real gift to our readers. I just want you to ask any of those folks. They're not meaning to be endorsers, but go ahead and just ask them for, for their permission because then when a visitor comes to your site, when a book publisher, magazine editor, it's sort of like evidence that there are people who value what you're saying. And it's not that you have to get an A-list celeb or a megachurch pastor to endorse you. Just begin grabbing those ones that are right there. Just keep your ears open for them and um, start gathering them. Mm -hmm. That was a good question. Thank you. Fantastic, fantastic. Margo, thank you so much for coming on to the show. In the event that folks want to connect with you, how can they go about doing so? Mm -hmm. It's margostarbuck.com and Margo is M-A-R-G-O-T, margostarbuck.com. And that's where we can connect. Fantastic. Once again, Margo, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Mm, it's a pleasure. Thank you, friend. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, then risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.
For more of our conversation, stick around for Behind the Scenes. And the reason I'm doing that Monday, July 24th, and the reason I'm doing that is because July is my birthday month. And so I am planning on, I'm doing something a little weird and hopefully this is okay, but like I am going to announce the fact that I'm writing a book on July 3rd and then July 10th, I'm going to read the intro and chapter one of my book. And so then that week after is my reflection birthday episode because I'm, my birthday is on July 19th. And then I wanted to end the month with bringing you on. So I have a reason that's why I did Again, I got the marketing thing. It's just, I'm like, I have the the nine to five and I'm trying to write this and I Mm -hmm. still help other folks on the side too. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's that's why I had this. So marketing genius, then when you read the intro and the first chapter, like what's in that for you? Because I can't even tell yet whether you're going self-publishing or traditional. I, quite frankly, the reason why I'm doing this is because I've been having way too many conversations with friends and other folks that are kind of down. And I hadn't really told anyone I was doing this project. So I figured, you know what? When I have these conversations, I have something to guide them to awards yeah <laughs> because a, a, a very few folks know that I'm actually doing this project that I'm writing this book and so I figured instead of me having all these separate conversations until my book is out let me just put this out there and if you guys like it let me know you got feedback and that's mm-hmm. another way I thought to myself okay while I'm still writing this I could be still garnering some of those endorsements you were talking about Good, 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 good. So smart. I have so much to learn from you. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. So that's the only reason I was thinking about that. But I also thought your proposal kind of helped, not kind of, it it really did spark a lot of other additional ideas. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, you know what, this would be the perfect way to close this out because I'm announcing my book, you know, in the event that you want to do something similar to this, talk to Margot, look at her content Mm -hmm. and go from there. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's why I came up with that. So that's why. Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Because you edit, I have to tell you the funniest thing. So I'm in the studio and I filmed the 12 modules for my course, Tasha. So my friend is the videographer and he's only charging me for like rental space but still he sets up his fancy camera he gives me the best light the best sound but I'm on my own in one and originally I was gonna like look really appropriate and like a black sweater and my black glasses and then I'm like oh no especially after I talked to this business consultant she's like no Margo I think you are the I think you are the product so 12 modules 12 outfits 12 bright colors in one of the modules my pendant necklace right here is off to the side by an inch. Now that's happened for a still photo before, but I could Photoshop, can't do it in video. So I filmed this one all over. And one of them, my hair's up wow. and halfway through the module, a big chunk falls down. Have to refilm that one. Oh, and another man. one, hair's up and there's like a weird, like a packing peanut or something. <laughs> it was just four of them I had to redo because of wardrobe malfunctions. Oh. And, but I'm like, you know what? Okay, okay, Mark. And, and, 
and this is a young man. He's not looking at me. He's not thinking about like my chin angle and my angle. Okay. So the fun (laughs) of editing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yes. The joys of Um, that. I'm going to be honest. That would be the first thing I would probably outsource if I, you know, making it big. I'm going to outsource the editing because it can be a little tedious. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. When you make it big, you and I are going to remember that and laugh about it. All right. (laughs) 